Moxley faces Archer, Chris Jericho confronts MJF, and we celebrate one year of AEW Dynamite in this week's review of AEW Dynamite. So I'll be honest, totally forgot this was the anniversary show, not even gonna lie. In fact, I was working in my living room, cleaning stuff up, remodeling it, and then remembered, oh wait, I gotta watch AEW. So uh, luckily, I got to fast forward through all the commercial breaks, which is a badass feeling to have power over commercials. So the show opens, we get FTR versus the best friends. Uh, Chuck started off the match looking vicious, it was very refreshing. Um, I will say, like I said, I was kind of cleaning all day, so I was very tired, and I was kind of struggling to get into this one, but it was... It was certainly an FTR match, y'all. It was very much ring psychology based, keeping everyone apart. There were some very good spots. There were some moments that I genuinely thought the best friends were going to win. Like the very last minute when Chuck was about to hit the awful waffle, I said, are they about to do it? Because I was expecting big things out of this show once I realized it was the anniversary show. I said, okay, there's going to be title changes, exciting returns, surprises, and... Yeah, I, I kind of should have tapered my expectations there. But I will say, what I like about FTR is that they are straight-up old-school heels here because I think they've won the title using their finisher once. That They have won a match one time using their finisher, and that is an old-school heel way to be. Use DQs, use cleverness, use that to get out of uh, get out of having to successfully defend. It was really, really good. Best spot of the match was Kip Sabian, who was on his great arcade cabinet until Trent got fucking yeeted through it, wrecking it, throwing it apart, and you saw Kip just, like, holding the joystick, like, the the whole base, like, how dare he? So after the match, the best friends were attacked by Miro for destroying the arcade cabinet, which is just another great dumb reason for the best friends to have a storyline, and I loved it. Uh, overall, the match, like I said, I couldn't really get into it. It wasn't that interesting to me. It was kind of a generic FTR match. I kind of wanted more fire from the best friends, but yeah, it, it was all right for what it was. Up next, Miro and Kip took on... A couple of jobbers, Lee Johnson, and I honestly forgot the other guy's name, and this was what it was. It was something easy to put over Miro as opposed to the last match Miro had, which, you know, there were some difficulties with. In fact, AEW, I think, called it a disaster backstage. So, uh, yeah, this was something simple and easy to get Miro over. Uh, I kind of wish he had a new finisher because I know it's called Game Over now, but we all know it's the accolade. Like, at least with Moxley... When he went from WWE to AEW, he added a little extra spice on the uh, on the dirt on Dirty Deeds. Instead of it now just being a basic drop DDT, it's now a lifting spike DDT. Just something small, but it was it paid off in dividends. But with Miro, it's still the same. Uh, afterwards, they cut a promo. It was fucking phenomenal just hearing Kip Sabian be so mad about this arcade cabinet. Um, And then Miro with the quote of the night, Good friends, you break my shit. It was so good. Uh, The only problem I really have with it is like, 
Miro is so much more charismatic than what he's presenting as on TV. Like, I know he has so much more charisma. And that's what I was kind of hoping was that he was going to be this Twitch streaming internet fuckboy alongside Kip. But he's still got, there's still a little bit too much Rusev for my liking in Miro's character. Uh, Up next, we go backstage. Archer and Moxley are already fighting. What the fuck? That was... That was something that it almost reminded me of Drew and Randy. I'm like, no, just keep them apart. Keep it apart until the end. Make it no DQ. Have everyone chomping at the bit to see them fight each other. But it is what it is. And then we have not just the segment of the night, but what might be segment of the year. As MJF comes out to make a massive career announcement. Uh, The fucking fit is real on the boy. He's wearing the baby blue suit. He looked gorgeous. He invited Jericho out. And, uh, of course, all of the inner circle are wearing their jackets except for Sammy Guevara. And then Sammy finally is forced to put his on by Jericho. And it's like five sizes too big. It was hilarious. And then MJF was so good. Both of them were so good in this segment. uh, MJF just being like, I love your hair. Can I touch your hair? And then the crowd chanting, touch his hair. It was just such good heel shit. Jericho at one moment just being like, I hate Animal Planet. And MJF having to be like, okay, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have brought up Animal Planet. And then, of course, finally the segment leads to MJF admitting, I want to join the inner circle. And then, uh, of course, everyone in the inner inner circle except for Jericho says it's a bad idea. And then Jericho stares MJF in the face and just goes, I'm going to take you out one on one next week to a steak dinner. And it. I fucking loved it because they played it up like Jericho just challenged him to a world heavyweight championship match. MJF's like, you want this? You really want this? You want this steak dinner? The crowd's going wild. Steak, 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 steak. It was fucking so good. Five out of five. And the thing about AEW this week is I've divided it up into third, three segments. Um, the Miro shit and the best friends, that was segment one. And that was all right. We are now getting into five out of five all around territory. And this was five out of five. This is the best segment either of them have ever had on Dynamite. I loved it. So now we get another segment and between Tony Schiavone and Britt Baker, and I may have been riding the high of MJF and Jericho, but this segment was great too because fucking Tony is interviewing her at a spa while they're getting, like, both of them are getting, like, massages and shit like that. It was great. Uh, eventually, they see that Tony is naked, which popped the hell out of me. Then they forced Tony to get his chest wax. And then it was it was just such a fucking fun and goofy segment with Britt just getting over. I'm a bad bitch and I'm going to win. And then at one point, Tony, with another great quote, Britt was like, why didn't you show up? The Young Bucks super kicked me in the face. It was so good. And now the last segment of the best moments of AEW, Orange Cassidy versus Cody, who is now blonde again. Uh, I think he fucking heard heard me say brown-haired Cody wasn't a star and said, I gotta be blonde again. Uh, Darby Allen is watching from the cheap seats. Eventually, it's announced that Darby is going to be facing whoever has the title at full gear for it, which is really, really good. Um, I'm kind of confused as to why the crowd doesn't sing along to Cody's theme, a la Judas, because... Cody's theme rips. I love it. 
I also loved the story of this match, which is kind of a slow burn Cody heel thing. Because Orange Cassidy, I will admit it, this is the best Orange Cassidy match ever. This did what those Jericho matches couldn't. Because the Jericho matches had Orange be a basic generic babyface, which is what, ironically, Cody was playing in this match. And it doesn't work. You need to let Orange be Orange. And that was what was so good, was Cody was playing the generic babyface, and once he realized Orange Cassidy doing Orange Cassidy stuff was getting the pops, Cody was starting to get upset. He was trying to punk out Orange, but it just wasn't working. It had some really good comedic moments in the beginning, and as it went on, I loved Orange's evolution in this match because, yes, he did start showing that, yes, I'm a great wrestler, but he didn't do it like he did in the Jericho matches. It wasn't a, well, now I'm a fiery hot baby face and I'm coming back. It was just him being clever. It was him trying for roll-ups. It was him trying any method possible to sneak out with the victory as lazily as possible, which fits his character. Um, then the Dark Order interferes. Silver is about to hit Cody with the title. Orange takes it away, and then the Dark Order are ejected from ringside. Um, this kind of didn't fit the match, in my opinion, because the rest of the match was such pure, good wrestling one-on-one. I I, I, I guess they're going to try to continue the Cody versus Dark Order thing, but for me, it just... It really did not work, and uh, then there was a great moment near the end. Cody teased going for a pedigree. Orange snuck out of it, and then... They fucking did a Broadway. Orange Cassidy did a Broadway on television. They went the full 20 minutes. Cassidy has him locked up, is about to go for the pin. One, two, and right before the hand hits, the bell rings because they have run out of time. It was so fucking good. Like, I genuinely thought multiple times that Cassidy had it. It was that kind of match. I will say, the majority of the matches tonight... I couldn't have predicted uh, best friends versus FTR. There are numerous moments where I said best friends are going to win this. This one had numerous moments where I said Cassidy is going to win this. It was really, really good. Uh, my heart fell into my balls. I was just like, oh, he's doing it. But then, of course, Cody sneaks out with a win. Uh, a very old school finish that I loved a lot. I loved this match. It was match of the night for me. And now we get another promo from Lance Archer. Except, oops, no, we don't. He's just fighting John Moxley again. All right cool i'm sorry and i'll get into this more during the match but i'm fucking done with just pull apart brawls for a while pump the brakes on him so uh then we get a promo from matt hardy he is back and cleared to return when suddenly a video vignette plays of someone burning all of the matt hardy gimmicks and it's revealed to be sammy guevara and sammy did say it was me it was me all along i beat you back i i beat you down backstage which that seemed I, I understand like AEW leaves no thread untied up, but I didn't really care at this point. I assumed someone in the inner circle attacked Matt backstage. I don't think they needed to continue this. Like I, I guess I am excited. Hopefully we do get what the broken rules match was supposed to be between Sammy and Matt. I, I I'm excited for that, but Man, this came out of left field because earlier Guevara was kind of setting up a mini feud with MJF and now he's back to super villainy against Matt Hardy. It's just it was it was a great vignette. It just came out of nowhere. Uh, Then we get a promo segment where they say we're going to have a fatal four way match next week 
Uh, four tag teams step into the ring. Only one leaves with the opportunity to face FTR at full gear. And for a company that talks so much about their their power rankings and how those help them make decisions it was a little buck wild for them to just kind of be pulling names out of a hat like i i kind of wish they had said like the top four in the power rankings or even uh even like because i think best friends are still number one contenders the other four people the other four teams face off but instead uh they pull the names out of the hat Private Party, Butcher and Blade, Silver and Reynolds, which fucking popped me. I'm excited to see them wrestle. And then, of course, the Young Bucks, which I I wish the Bucks weren't in this match. I want to hold off on FTR versus Bucks for as long as possible. And and maybe they will. Maybe Silver and Reynolds will win. Maybe Private Party will win. I, I want anyone but the Bucks to win this. I want them to keep teasing this up until double or nothing next year. That way the Bucks can kind of flesh out their characters right now because... Outside of super kicking people, their characters aren't that fleshed out. Like, I don't know if they're tweeners. I don't know if they're heels. And then uh, they grab the microphones and say, Tony, don't be worried. We're not going to super kick you. We're going to super kick them. And then uh, super kick silver. They super kick the blade, I believe. And then I was hoping for a good old fashioned ROH super kick party, but it just led to kind of a generic brawl. And yeah. It, it was rough. This was a rough segment, and this is actually what became what began the third half of the show, which was the real rough part of the show. Because up next we have Sheeta versus Swole. I thought if a title was going to change hands tonight, it would be here. Uh, in the beginning, there was a whole lot of mutual respect, technical wrestling, but overall. It was a really rough match. Like, Sheeta looked the sloppiest she's ever looked. Like, she's going for running knees while Swole is still on her back. Like, the only moment that really stuck out was uh, Swole went for a pinfall, and then, after Dirty Dancing, went for a pinfall, and then grabbed the arm near the ropes so she wouldn't grab the ropes. But Sheeta literally moved her body around to grab with her other hand. It was really clever, but outside of that... It, none of them looked super great coming out of this. I was really disappointed because I was excited to see this, but I don't know. It was just an off night because I know both of them could do better and they will do better. Uh, then we get informed that Orange Cassidy is challenging for the TNT title again in two weeks. Sure. I understand they went to a Broadway, so you're like, should we? We got to see if he's going to win it. But also, fuck, he's had like two opportunities already. Let anyone else have a have a have a go at it fuck put evil uno against cody i don't care um so then kingston and the lucha bros come out to join commentary which made me very fucking happy based on how that how the show was going at that point and then we get a promo for something i didn't know was a thing which is sean spears and scorpio sky having a rivalry and spears is like i'm not stalking scorpio and i'm like i'd never suspected you were but now i am I guess this is the storyline. I, I will read you verbatim my show notes as I was watching it. Spears is stalking Scorpio? What the fuck is this? What moment? What the fuck? What is this? Because Spears' promo was like, you, you took my moment from me, but now you owe me a moment. I'm like, what the fucking moment are they talking about? What are they meaning? And I, I, from what I've read, it's something on Dark. 
but show that. Show us what happened, because I'm very confused right now. Because they weren't showing videos of what happened on Dark. They were showing videos of when Cody got his head bashed in with the chair, but then they were showing Scorpio, and I just, I have no idea what's going on. So that was a, that was a real rough segment to end on. So now we have Moxley versus Archer, and the best part of this match was Archer's entrance, because motherfucker just throws a guy through glass and comes out wearing a, a motorcycle helmet, and I'll be honest, the best part of this match was the opening. Moxley jumps in the ring, hits a paradigm shift, goes for a pin, Archer kicks out, and then all you hear is Eddie Kingston on commentary laughing his ass off. It was great, and then it just became... It just became a punch fight. It just became a, we're two tough guys, but there wasn't anything innovative. There wasn't anything really smart. I was expecting some real good shit out of this, and it was kind of just all stuff I had seen before. Like, the choke slam onto the the two chairs, paradigm shift onto the tables, which he literally did at Wrestle Kingdom. It would have been nice to see Archer reverse that, and Archer put Moxley through the table, because... You know, he would have learned from the past, but we didn't. Uh, Moxley hits a paradigm shift, turns it into a bulldog choke after Archer kicks out, and then Archer escapes. And then the ending was just rough because Archer literally sets Moxley up, hits the blackout, goes for the pen, and Moxley, who was supposed to have been through this brutal, devastating match, just immediately was like, ha, fuck you, roll up. It's a crucifix roll up one, two, three. And between this and the MJF bullshit finish, I'm very souring on Moxley. I love Moxley, but lately it's been ever since MJF, like I'm waiting for that thing. I'm waiting for that thing to light his fire again because it's kind of felt like it's 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 petering out. Hopefully his upcoming feud with we pray Kenny Omega, which, by the way, I didn't put that in my notes, but they announced the full bracket. It is going to be Kenny Omega versus, um, it, fuck, fuck it, it doesn't matter. Kenny Omega versus, it doesn't matter. Uh, the Lucha Bros face each other in the opening match, which is interesting, because I honestly don't know who would beat one of them. Uh, Hangman versus Colt Cabana, and then Jungle Boy versus Wardlow. So it's gonna be Wardlow beats Jungle Boy, Hangman beats Colt. Hangman beats Wardlow, Hangman goes to the finals, um, Kenny beats whatever Lucha bro, and then makes his way to the final, and then Kenny or Hangman win, and then we get that awesome feud with Moxley. It's probably gonna be Kenny, because long-term storytelling, but yeah, this was a show. The best part is actually what happened after the match, which was Eddie uh, Archer attacked Moxley, and Kingston said, no, 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 go save him. And the Lucha Bros came and saved Moxley, and Eddie cut what was a genuine promo. That's the beauty of Eddie Kingston. Everything he says is truthful. So when he looked at Moxley and said, I'm so proud of you, I'm so proud of this, oh, so many years, we grew up together, like, this is this is so much, he means it, which makes it all the more, like, terrifying when he then hits him with the back fist to the future, which has a new name, but I won't use it, and then chokes the fuck out of Moxley, I want Mox versus Kingston at full gear. Moxley's gonna win, but it's gonna be a brutal fucking match. I want a no-do... I want 
them to make, and I've said it before, I want them to make what Moxley and or, and Kenny did last year look like child's play. Because I will never not love Eddie Kingston, and he can put on a brutal fucking match against Moxley. Uh, the only bad part was the fact that at the end of the show, commentary's trying to wrap things up, but Kingston won't stop talking because he's Kingston. And I'm just sitting there like, just let, let the man talk. It's okay. But yeah, that was AEW's anniversary show. Like I said, a third of it, very great. A third of it, average. And a third of it, why is this happening? It's really, really shitty. Which means if you average all that out, this show was not all elite. It wasn't not elite. It was just somewhat elite. It was right in the middle. It had some very phenomenal moments, and then it had some that were a little rough. And maybe I would have actually loved the best friends match if I wasn't fucking exhausted. Yeah, I mean, it it wasn't until MJF Jericho that I actually got back in it. So maybe that opening segment I was a little rough on because I was going to die. But yeah, do you agree? Do you disagree? Let me know on my personal Twitter account at ScottyMo, S-C-O-T-T-Y-E-M-O. Remember to support us on Patreon because that gets you access to our Discord where we watch wrestling live, meaning that you can watch Raw with us. We'll actually stream it live through the Discord so you can watch it there. It's it's a great time. I love hanging out. I love chatting with you guys as we watch wrestling. And you can get it at patreon.com slash a load of BS. But as always, remember to follow us on Twitter at Fight Boy Show because when you're a fight boy, you're a fight boy for life.